Welcome to Connex, a global leadership platform for construction executives. Today I have Steve with me from Deerfield Construction. I'm not even going to try to pronounce your last name. How do you pronounce it, Steve? It's Bitzer. Bitzer. Okay, well, I, that's what I was going to say. That's what yep. I was going to say. At least that's what I'm going to tell everybody. But uh but uh Steve, I you know, I I take the Larry King model when I interview people. I I don't really read up on you too much. My staff does that because I really want to hear for the first time when we're live about you and your company. So, so tell us where you grew up, how you ended up in construction and tell us a little bit about your company too. Um, I grew up in Cincinnati, uh, which is where I presently live. So I've been here my whole life. Um, uh, only, only have I lived in one other place and that was, uh, a bit of a business venture and it was in Annapolis, Maryland for about four or five years, mm -hmm. uh, commuting back and forth. So, um, I went to, uh, uh, Turpin high school here in Cincinnati. I graduated in 1980, um, went to work for at the time, my dad's company. I just, what you just dated yourself. By saying I did. 1980. <laughs> I did. I did. Um, and, and I'll do that a few more times. So <laughs> <laughs> it's the way I remember how it happened. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. Um, so and I started working part time uh, for the company that my dad was a partner in called Maury Daniel Construction in 1977. Um, working uh, Part-time during the week after school and on, on weekends, uh, I would work with either my father or my grandfather, uh, rapidly learning uh, the, a, a couple trades in the business, which mainly were electric and plumbing at the time. Uh, and and I, I was really good with a broom. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, we all are, huh? Yeah, yeah. So um, through high school, I, I got a good flavor of... Um, what I saw as what my dad's business was uh, through high school, graduated in 1980 and then came to work here full time. Um, it was still then Maury Daniel Construction mm -hmm. uh, for about a year and a half after I got out of high school. Decided uh, I, I was, a, I, I love sports. Mm -hmm. I was an avid baseball player. Football was my passion. Um, I wasn't going to go anywhere in football. Um, I was a, a decent high school ball player and had a couple scholarship offers, um, declined and decided that I wanted to just come to work for my dad. So, um, when I did that in 1980, about a year and a half later, um, because Maury Daniel construction was a union shop, there were and you're probably not my age, so you won't remember the 80s, but there was a lot of bickering going on and a lot of contract negotiation going on in the unions. And my, the, our customers at the time uh, were barking about not wanting to go union. So my dad had this bright idea to start a company, another company called Deerfield Construction Company in 1981. Um, that's where the rubber really started to hit the road for me personally. Um, I was very interested in welding, became a certified welder, uh, did fabrication and erection, uh, for the company on projects that required steel for uh, a couple of years. Um, and then I went into the field and, uh, I had four uncles out there and a grandfather that worked for the company, including my father. So it was uh, pretty much a family business at the time. Mm -hmm. And I can't, I, I can't tell you, uh, and besides my dad, my dad is still here. Um, he's still alive. My grandfather and all my uncles are, are um, building things in heaven. So I can't tell you how much um, they taught me uh, one about construction and two about life and construction. So, uh, and, and how to, 
how to balance that a, a bit. I had a couple of uncles that were very, very family oriented uh, and really uh, showed me how to balance it because they, they saw my dad and they saw my grandfather uh, doing nothing but working. And although they respected that, they, they were very quick to show me the other side. So I uh, can't tell you how much I really appreciate them uh, and what it means to me today more than it did then. So mm -hmm. um, after I started working full time and got into the welding, uh, I, I, as I said, I then went into the field I started as a carpenter foreman. Uh, that lasted a couple of years, uh, framing and finishing and pouring concrete. Went into uh, the supervision side, so uh, became a project supervisor. We performed all our own work uh, with the exception of the mechanical trades, so uh, I was kind of a hands-on superintendent. Mm -hmm. um, very quickly learned um, and in seeing this in the field from my uncles and my grandfather and my father, learned how to uh, manage people in a manner that we could get things done you know, harmoniously and, and uh, really be proud of what we did. So um, I worked in a millwork. I worked in the millwork uh, shop that we had set up because we self-performed our own millwork and cabinetry uh, for a while. As I said, I did electric and plumbing, so I got a I got a really good taste of uh, everything that goes into a construction project, uh, and, and a kind of a different appreciation for it than somebody who uh, never did it. So it really really helped me uh, on the supervision side. Um, and then in 1985, um, I started project management. I was asked to come into the office. Our customer base was growing, the company was growing, so I was asked to come into the office by my dad and uh, start my, uh, my journey in project management, uh, which turned out uh, better than I ever thought it would be because I really liked the hands-on stuff and I wasn't too sure that how good I would be uh, you know, in an office environment and, and doing nothing but managing projects. But turns out I, I found uh, joy in that uh, on a different level and um, got to be pretty successful, was promoted to senior project manager um, in uh, 1987 and was put in charge of what we called uh, Profit Center. So I had a couple project managers under me uh, with a, with a uh, uh, coordinator. And we basically uh, generated revenue in our profit center for the company to the tune of between 10 and $12 million a year, which was pretty significant at the time. Oh, absolutely. Um, really kind of big time significant, which was uh, very satisfying uh, to me personally. And I, and, and I know it was to my father because he, he, uh, he's real good at letting you know when he, when he's enjoying himself watching you be successful so, <laughs> yeah I which I, I i have a great appreciation for that because it taught me um, a lot about how to succeed in and running a company also so um in that project management venture we had a customer it was a, a national account customer a restaurant customer who Asked me, we were we were only doing projects, you know, in the Cincinnati, uh, Northern Kentucky, and kind of a, you know, like a hundred mile region. We weren't really traveling or going out of our way to, because we didn't have to to do projects anywhere else. Mm -hmm. This particular customer asked me if I would be interested in going to the East Coast and bidding some projects. Uh, he he thought uh, that we could be successful in his area, which was uh, the Maryland uh, area. Maryland and Virginia. So I bid a couple projects. It was successful uh, bidding those projects and built those projects that really spawned uh, a whole new, a whole new perspective and 
strategy for Deerfield Construction Company because my father also saw how successful that was. Um, and we started to spread our wings with other national account type customers, uh, not all in the restaurant arena, but there were small grocery stores. There were, um, there were others that led up to today, which I will talk about in a minute as far as the, the cast of customers that were mm-hmm. presently dealing. But um, that experience uh, really changed our strategy and focus. Um, and we be, really became known for our uh, multi, our ability to deal with multinational account type customers and go wherever they needed us to go. Mm-hmm. And you know the things you learn, the things you learn from that are um, sales become kind of uh, nonchalant easy because. Anybody who's successful, such as a, a, a restaurant chain or a grocery store chain, or, or um, you know, we, we built a lot of truck stops for two really big truck stop clients. They're only going to build where uh, the economies are thriving. So that kind of took that piece out of what I would call um, strategizing the areas or the economic areas uh, that are that are thriving. Because they already knew them, and we were just following them around the country, so um, it, it it made sense, and it was it, it has been real successful even even today. So, um, and, and today, not not to get too far ahead of myself, but today, that um, has spawned into uh, we still do a ton of grocery stores. We have built over 400 grocery stores for one client. Oh, since, wow. Uh, since 1999. So uh, it, it's been a great, a great thing uh, to be able to, you know, look back on and say this, it, it worked then and it's working now. Why, why shouldn't we just follow that roadmap uh, with other t- national account type clients, which is what we've done. One aspect that we have added is, uh, coming back to our roots and doing a little more work around our own area too. Uh, That's not national account driven. There are a lot of one-offs, but they are local and it, it uh, keeps us present in our, our our own region. So um, moving ahead to, uh, let's see. 1993 so me, after my, okay, go ahead. No, I was just going to, I was just going to comment. Um, the funny thing is, is people like me and you are, are dinosaurs in today's world because, but I, I think it's a, I, I think in a way it's not dinosaur because of our age, but because of, I mean, I, I grew up as a carpenter and a Mason and there's something to be said for actually getting your hands dirty. You know, not that I'm taking away from education, but education comes in many forms. And one of them is getting your hands dirty. So I was just going to comment. That's great. You had that experience. Um, You know, and I'm sure there are uh, and you said thousands. I'm going to use thousands. There's thousands of people that may may hear what I've got to say uh, and have an appreciation for the school. You know, the University of Hard Knocks. and whether you have gone to college or not, I think everybody goes to to the school of you know the University of Hard Knocks. Mm-hmm. Um, and as long as you get something out of that and you learn from it, um, it's a good thing. Absolutely. As long as it doesn't knock you around and, and discourage you or uh, from uh, d- doing what you think is right or doing you know sticking your neck out, uh, it, it's a good thing. That's a good thing. So I interrupted. You said 1985. Uh, well, it was, um, you know, senior PM from 89 to 93. In 1993, I was promoted to vice president of operations. Um, at, at that point, I was responsible for a director of field operations and four senior project managers doing the same thing I did running a profit center. So um, 
uh, I, I had success doing that. And, um, you know, uh, uh, real quickly, I learned uh, that there are 20 ways to skin the cat and your way is not always the best way. Mm -hmm. So I quickly became more results oriented than I did um, any of the hands-on or um, trying to get people to see it my way. It, um, it, it was a hard lesson. It was a hard lesson. But it, um, it taught me a lot. In 1998, uh, after that stint of uh, being a VP for a while and really learning, and, and while I did that, and I didn't write this down, but I do want to say that um, the impact of my dad through this whole process was he always got me involved in something that I could develop mentorship or uh, mentorship relationships. Um, he got me involved in a group called Tech, which was owned by Warren Buffett and still owned by him today, but it's called Vistage. Um, that taught me, uh, you know, sitting around a, uh, a table of CEOs and presidents being, you know, in your mid thirties and almost 40 years old was intimidating number one, but um, I, I learned a ton from these guys that I could bring back to my company and, uh, you know, incorporate some of it so that we could uh, be better. at everything we do. Um, and it, it, it was amazingly uh, impactful. In 98, I took over as, as president. Um, I'm still the acting president today, 24 years later, with 42 years of uh, in various roles and, and uh, various experience. Um, and, and I will mention personally, I, I am married. Um, I have five children. I have nine grandchildren. And um, learning that that work-life balance um, early in my career has uh, made that made the whole process of creating a family and and now you know added nine grandkids to it very satisfying um, to to understand uh, they're important too you know you have to if you have to prioritize I mean my my wife understands and you know my kids always understood that have the life that we had i have to do what i got to do as far as the business is concerned and you know with everybody there are those times that you know you're not going to make a ball game or you're not going to make a soccer game or a basketball game or a football game and uh, they were few and far between because uh, i really went out of my way to make sure that i didn't miss uh, a whole lot with my with my kids and my wife so do you, do you have um, any kids that work in the business with you I do. I have. I have one. I, actually, both of my sons are here. Um, my oldest son is—he uh, is working in the field and loves it and does not want to do anything else. Mm -hmm. And my my youngest son um, is—he's 28. My oldest son's 30. My youngest son is um, has gone. He's done his college stint. He got a, a entrepreneurial business degree. So that he can understand, um, you know, the business side of it. He's always been interested in what we do and has uh, kind of done what I've done or what I did and and been been involved in and experienced a little bit of everything uh, and uses it in his personal life and professional life today. So uh, he is. They're they're both here. Um, and I, I can talk a little bit about what that what the plan is. I also have a nephew here. My brother is my partner. Mm -hmm. um, he has a son here, and um, we are in the midst of uh, uh, succession right now. So uh, we've we've been into it for about two years, and it's going well. So um, and I and I can talk about that a little bit more with later questions that will bring that up. So if and that's you pretty much it about me. I, I, I told you I, I love sports. Uh, uh, baseball was my sport. Football was my passion. 
Um, I still, I, I'm 60 years old, Scott, and I still play baseball today. Oh, wow. Wow. I play hardball as we speak. Um, I attend the Reds fantasy camp every January for the last six Januarys, or with the exception of one, it got canceled for COVID, but, um, and I, I still enjoy it. I'm still, uh, very competitive and I play in a 35 over 35 year old and over league. So, um, it's, it's fun. And I, and I get to play with my brother and I have always played baseball and always played together. So, um, that's another reason why I, 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 I like to still play. Now our so, nephews, you know, his, his son, our nephews are playing with us. So. So tell us, so your core focus is exactly what? Is it industrial, commercial? What is it exactly? It, it, it's commercial. Um, as I said, it started um, with automobile dealerships locally. So we mm -hmm. would build automobile dealerships and we would build small office buildings, uh, small retail centers. Uh, we did a lot of restaurants. Uh, Deerfield Construction by itself. not including Maury Daniel Construction, has built over 1,500 restaurants. So, Oh, wow. Uh, wow. Um, so so we're, we're, we were big time into the restaurants, which kind of went by the wayside uh, about five years ago, and uh, it just never came back. So um, it, it's starting to, to, to trickle back right now. Um, we do small grocery stores. Um, they are the uh, discount grocery stores, mm -hmm. such as, um, you know, the Aldi and the uh, – a few others that uh, aren't aren't they're they're not that big, but uh, a few others that we we've done small grocery store work for. Um, uh, car washes, uh, cash handlers such as the uh, the Dunbars and the Loomises, uh, their facilities are uh, they're just really really neat to to build. Uh, whole whole different thought process there. And they're, they're really challenging and, and, and fun to build. Um, <clears throat> we have another national account with a, a, a body shop company that is going ballistic right now. Uh, we have six of them going right now in five different states. So um, uh, vehicle maintenance type facilities, you know, your tire, tire places uh, that do uh, maintenance and they have shops on a, on a national level. And a regional level, we've done a few of those. Uh, and a couple of them are getting ready to really take off um, because of their mergers and acquisitions. So it's that that's pretty much our, our average project is two and a half to three million dollars. That's our average. Um, like I said, we've done truck stops in, in the twelve million dollar range. And you know, for our national account customers, we've done remodel projects for them in the five hundred thousand dollars range. So um, it's uh, it's a pretty big swing, but uh, we we make it work. So what you since you brought it up and we were talking about a secession plan, can you kind of bring us up to speed of what kind of the future looks like? What's the the five or ten year plan for that matter for yep. Deerfield? Absolutely. Um, and, and I'll start with, um, we don't, we don't wing it here. We, we do, uh, we have a strategic plan. We go over our strategic plan on a monthly basis. Uh, we change it where necessary. Uh, and I, I like people to know, especially, and this is the this is my uh, stump speech when we hire a new employee after they go through their two or three weeks of orientation. I will always uh, make the statement to them that uh, they can be comfortable that we don't come in here every day and just uh, wing it. We have a strategic plan. We have uh, we have some guidelines that we follow. regards to what kind of business and how much business we will take. 
you know, I, I, I would rather tell a customer, um, no, I can't handle something because I don't have the people capacity or the, um, or the PM capacity and have them get upset about that versus having them get upset about screwing a project up or, you know, not having one go so well. So, um, our five-year plan, uh, includes building and maintaining uh, a diverse client base. And I, I hope people understand what I mean by that. In the, in the economy today, um, you know, you can't, we used to really consider ourselves a niche builder uh, in, the, in the restaurant arena. Um, and, you know, there's been a few times we have, um, that's bit us because, you know, as cyclical as it is in that arena, uh, our roller coaster ride depended on it. So uh, being diverse is important. So we, we really focus on uh, being a bit diverse in the uh, building arena. We um, maintain it. Our strategic goal is to maintain a client base uh, that will provide 45 to 50 million dollars in revenue every year. That's what size company we are built to succeed at. Um, that's with this, with the people that we have and the average project that we do. Um, I really don't have much interest in growing past that. Uh, you know that 45 to 55 million dollar range, uh, based on the types of projects that we do. It's it's 25 to 30 projects a year, and that's that's uh, that's a handful. So, um, uh, in that five years, five-year plan, the succession and transition um, to new leadership. Uh, that there's there's a big uh, there's a lot of focus on my, from my brother and myself and our management team on uh, mentoring and coaching. The next generation of leadership so uh, we, we really wanted to make it that simple so that we didn't uh, we didn't lose our focus and we just weren't firing a shotgun uh, roll that five-year plan rolls into our 10-year plan which is to uh, <clears throat> identify uh, new new things that pop up, you know, the, the technology industries that spawn um, things like uh, you know, new light manufacturing projects for batteries or um, something new in the technology arena that we could be focusing on and be successful. We did a little bit of work for Amazon. Um, it was a great experience, but they, um, they're, they're going so fast that, um, we couldn't keep up with them. We just could not keep up and it, it got, it got, it got difficult. So, um, that, that was a good lesson in, in, uh, staying within our means. So the 10 year plan, uh, is to, uh, I, I would like to be retired by 70 so um, we're going to implement continue to implement the succession plan and transition uh, to the next generation of leadership and try to get these guys prepared for when my brother and I are ready to step back and that that won't be until they're you know until they're uh, comfortable and ready to take it over so talk a little bit about, you know, having family in the business is tough regardless. I've had family. I have three of my four kids work in my family. All four kids have worked in my uh, business. Um, and uh, what, if you had to give advice to somebody who has, you know, family in the business, what what would be your best advice? Obviously, you've been able to do it successfully. Um, what would you say? Um, advice you would give somebody who's who wants to have family in their business? Um, well, I would um, I would get them involved as early as possible, uh, doing something so that they could 
really see what happens and what goes on in your business. Uh, I would make sure that they um, are on a path in, in their education that lines up with, you know, what you do. Um, and then I would also highly recommend that whoever that family member is, go work somewhere else for a, a year or, or a little longer. Go work in another environment, go work in another company, um, which my two boys have done. So, um, and that, that gives them a, a whole different level of appreciation for or how they might view um, what it looks like in that company when they are, uh, you know, taking over or they're working. And, um, you know, mentor and coach the crap out of them. Don't, don't take anything for granted. Uh, take advantage of every situation that might occur or arise uh, that is a, a learning experience. Well, you know, I'm interested in this next question is, um, you know, because your company's been around for such a long time, um, what significant events kind of have shaped the business model that you have today? Um, well, we talked about one of the significant events. Um, and, and if I have to, uh, if I have to say it is the most significant event that took place um, building the building into your company the ability to travel and be successful building projects uh, was the most significant event that took place in my career here at Deerfield um, and, and then you know un, unknowingly at the time I mean uh, come on Scott I was a I was a young dumb project manager just building stuff and having fun and um, not really thinking too much about, you know, uh, what it might be like today. So, mm -hmm. um, but just th that one significant event spawned a whole, um, a whole new meaning for this company. You know, it, it was a, It created a, a mission statement that um, was just so focused, but yet so broad um, because it didn't, we, we wanted to deal with customers that we knew uh, we could be successful building what we had built in the past, but on a, on a different level, uh, being national and then having to uh, really work hard to develop relationships with subcontractors because we didn't self-perform uh, those out-of-town jobs. I mean, we, it, it wasn't economical to do that. We were totally dependent upon subcontractors. So, um, you know, building those relationships and um, uh, keeping them really taught taught me uh, a valuable lesson uh, in relationship building. And it was the same with the customer. And, and where that, what that gets you as a company, I think is, has kind of been lost today, I guess I'll say. Um, you know, it, some businesses are, uh, it's all about them and, and the customer is, uh, is always going to be there. And I don't, I don't look at it that way. My, I, I really, really push, um, finding things that Deerfield can do that are meaningful to the customer and separate us from our competition. You know what, if there's, if I price a job and I'm a thousand dollars or I'm $5,000 higher than the next guy, <clears throat> what is that, what is that one or two things that the customer is going to look at uh, after the initial pricing and say, um, Deerfield's worth that five grand or whatever. And, and I really push that on my people to uh, not, not take the customer for granted, number one, 
and two, um, find that find those couple things or that one thing that really trips the trigger that's going to separate you from your competition and and uh, make you know force that customer to want to work with you. So on that kind of same uh, thought process there, um, talk about you personally. Obviously, you have been at various different, you know, I mean, you've basically been at it, almost every single position that you have in construction, uh, every different level. And uh, what skills and abilities do you think you've brought to the table that have helped not only you, but your company? Um, you know, I... I like I said, with my, uh, and I was so fortunate to have, you know, a father, a grandfather and, and four uncles in the business that, um, you know, and we're, we're German by the way. So there were times when I had a couple uncles that would literally froth at the mouth, uh, chewing on me. <laughs> and one, one of those lessons was they could do that. And 10 minutes later, they would put their arm around me and say, hey, let's go get a let's go get a hamburger for lunch. And I never really gave that the credit it was due uh, until later when I started to manage people, um, you know, as a supervisor. Um, and really the impact of those things that I you know, got upset about or I thought were stupid um, really were I mean, they, they were lessons that I never forgot. And, um, you know, managing people is, it's what I do right now. You know, I'm, I'm not building buildings. I'm managing people and I'm leading people. And uh, there's, a, there's a huge difference in, in my mind and in my, uh, in my mentors' minds have, have really stressed this. There's a big difference between leadership and management. And you can be good at one and not good at the other uh, and be successful. And if you're a good leader, uh, you don't have to be great at managing. But if you manage and you're not a good leader, you'll fail. And I I never really gave that the credit it, it, it was due until, um, until I became president of this company. And then, you know, that it's kind of a slap in the face uh, when you, you know, you make those mistakes and, uh, you know, somebody, somebody either points it out to you or you pay for it by losing a person, you know, a good person and uh, because they quit or whatever. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question or. Uh, no, it, it does actually. Uh, I mean, that's, that I think that most of the people who listen to this will uh, 100% be on board with what you have to say. It's funny how like uh, some of the biggest things we've learned or some of the biggest qualities that we possess are because of failures we've had occur in our life. Yep. yep. And uh, and those are the, you know, those are the ones I, I personally, I tend not to forget. Um, I also force myself to to remember the successes because those are what drive me, you know, um, when, when you have a success, whether it be with an individual or a, a project or a big customer, um, you know, you, you got to remember what you did that worked so that you can continue to do it and improve it. Um, today it, it, it's a, it's a really, really different world today. Uh, and I don't care what your business is. If you tell me it's the same as it was 10 years ago or even five years ago, I, I'm going to call you out because it's not mm -hmm. it's totally different today than it, than it was a few years ago. Um, you know, and all, all the, all of the um, significant events that have happened, such as, you know, mo most recently COVID have, have really, um, they really challenged your, your, uh, your skill set as a leader. And, um, you know, I told my folks here in the office, I, Scott, I haven't had anxiety ever in my life. I cannot ever remember having anxiety. Did I get anxious or nervous? Heck yeah, I did. But I never had true anxiety about anything until COVID hit. 
um, and it, it gave me anxiety. And I had to learn to deal with it. You know, it was, um, and, and it wasn't by medication. It was it, that wasn't going to help. <laughs> it, it was <laughs> I had to learn how to deal with the anxiety. And the and and one of the things I did to deal with it was because we weren't coming to the office and everybody was working remotely. Um, I, I felt uh, detached, and I really couldn't communicate with folks the way I the way I communicate. I'm a hands-on uh, manager. I like to go in their office and sit down and talk to them, but I couldn't do that. Mm-hmm. So I find, I find myself doing, uh, you know, video conference meetings, um, and and then seeing how much difference that makes versus a phone call or an email or a text. Uh, and those, those, those lessons were, uh, they were all brought on by something out of our control. And, but, but you do what you got to do to bridge the gaps. And uh, it, all that took my anxiety away. It, it really did. Once, uh, once I started to think about how I could bridge that gap. Well, I think most people listening to this will uh, will uh, clap when they hear that because uh, that is how I know I felt <laughs> uh, because it was such a I kept on saying it feels like we're in Brazaro world a little bit, you know, yeah. because because uh, it, it just didn't seem real. It seemed like we're in a movie or something, you know, exactly. And, uh, That's how I felt. It's exactly what I said. Scott. I said, I, what movie is this? You know, <laughs> my God. And how do I get out of it? That's my yeah. thing. <laughs> I love uh, watching the movie, but I don't want to be part of it. <laughs> well, let me uh, ask you my favorite question. And my favorite question is this. If you had to go back and, and give 18-year-old Steve advice, both personally and professionally, what advice would that be? Um, personally, my advice would be um, pay attention to to what works and what doesn't work and what doesn't work change it don't do the insane thing and wake up every day do the same thing and expect a different result uh, that that doesn't bode well or work for anybody and someone that can recognize that will they will achieve success um, so that that would be uh, one thing that I would highly recommend. And, I, and then the other thing I would highly recommend to 18 year old Steve is um, um, start thinking about your future and, and, and the future business and do things that will educate you on what to expect uh, and how to handle it. And I'm only talking about, you know, whether it be a business book or, uh, you know, a management book. I have, uh, I've got a couple of, well, I've got a whole bookshelf of books that uh, I, I reference all the time, and um, they they don't necessarily solve the problem for me, but they do make me feel better about my ability to solve the problem. So I, I w- would highly recommend that. Um, and 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 then. Personally, I would say, um, you know, pick, pick your battles, uh, stay true to yourself, and uh, pay attention to your, uh, to your family life and, and uh, make that as meaningful as possible. Are you there? Hello. Can you hear me there? Sorry, I lost the connection a little bit. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can hear you now. Did you hear okay. get all that? I did. I did. I just I, I was responding. <laughs> and, uh, apparently wasn't getting through. But uh, well, let's move on to the speed round. The speed round is eight categories uh, rating yep. one to ten and ten being the most important one being the least important. They could all be tens. Yes. And uh, if you feel free to briefly uh, summarize why you gave the score you did. 
So we'll okay. start off with scheduling. Um, scheduling, I, I, I give it a nine. Um, and if, if the other word was here, I would give it the 10 and that's implementation. So I think scheduling is a nine implementation would be a 10. Estimating. Estim yeah. Estimating is a 10. Um, so critical to the success of, uh, any project and, um, uh, is, is in my mind, the biggest challenge, uh, prior to putting a shovel in the ground. So I, I estimating is definitely a 10. So the next two categories is contract administration, meaning the actual execution of the contract. Right. And then the second one is contracts, the actual paper version. Um, uh, execution is 10, definitely. Uh, and I feel the same way about the execution uh, of that, you know, administrative part of the project as I do scheduling, or I mean, uh, uh, implementation. So um, it, it's critical to, you know, have that project covered the best you can have it covered uh, in, in your uh, scopes and exhibits with subcontractors or uh, a customer to eliminate any of the, you know, the heartaches and hardships that uh, might be created by something that's not there. Um, the, the, I, the, I didn't know if I got uh, uh, design. Design, um, I, I put a nine on design. And I, you know, it would be easy to say it's a 10, uh, but if you've built anything in your life and you've put it on a napkin or a piece of paper or whatever, um, uh, it's always a nine because you're going to change it and you're going to make it better as you go. So uh, I, I give design a nine. Conch, uh, uh, excuse me, accounting. Accounting's 10. Um, it is super critical, uh, especially in today's world, to know where you're at uh, at all times. So, um, you know, we, we, our project managers have uh, cost and commitment reports in their, in their job files once a week. So they understand where they're at uh, and, and we understand where they're at. So I, I, I give it a 10. Business development or sales? Um, eight. And, and I, I don't take that lightly, as lightly as an eight, but um, I would, well, I do, I do choose to focus more on relationship building so that I don't have to go out and do um, more business development than I can handle. And, and those those really good relationships bring bring more business than you can handle if you if you're uh, you know handling it properly. So uh, business development is an eight. And last but not least, leadership. Leaderships uh, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. So um, as I said before, there there's a distinct difference between leadership and management and there, there, there are five principles that I preach here at Deerfield uh, continuously. I, I know my folks here, we, we do company meetings four times a year um, and because we travel, my superintendents, we do them virtually with them uh, every other month <clears throat> and I, I preach the um, trying to keep everybody here at Deerfield managing at 18,000 feet um, because you don't, if, if you don't, if you don't let yourself get drugged down into the weeds, um, you're going, you're going to, you're going to think about it on a level that's going to keep you out of trouble. Okay. And, it, and, and it's going to breed success. Now, having said that, on the job sites, I know for a fact my superintendents are being drug into the weeds by subcontractors every day, you know, trying to help them do their job or, or work out an issue or uh, whatever it may be. And it, it, it happens in the office environment also. Uh, and you have to do that. There's no doubt about it. But more importantly, your ability to pull yourself out of the weeds and get back to 18,000 feet is, is critical. 
Um, and the second one is building trust and credibility. You know, if if um, if the people you work with or the customers you work with don't trust you or or believe in your credibility, you know, your what you do, um, you haven't done a very good job of of uh, promoting that. And, and that that goes a long way in that relationship building uh, so that they don't want to go anywhere else. And then uh, the lead by example is my third one. You know, if uh, a lot of guys, like you said, or a lot of people in, in my business, uh, whether it be a man or a woman, um, these days they don't really get the opportunity to um, get involved in everything that I have been involved in in the construction industry. So I, I, I find myself very fortunate to have uh, come up into this business in a time when that was, uh, when I was able to do that. So, uh, but leading by example is, it just, um, it really does, it, it, that builds trust and credibility. So you, you really need to understand the, uh, the way to do that on any level you're leading. And then my, my fourth one, um, only because our business is a little bit litigious, is a stop the blame game. You know, blaming somebody and spending the time to even say the word is, it's useless. It's a useless use of your time. So uh, stop the blame game, figure out what the problem is, come up with some solutions, and then walk backwards and, and find out or figure out how it happened so that you can uh, avoid that from ever happening again. And then five is own it. You either own it or you don't own it. Um, and if you own it, those other four uh, management principles are going to be uh, something that you'll be successful at. Well, Steve, I want to thank you for the, being on my podcast today, and I, I want to thank you for telling us your story. You have an interesting background, and, and your company just, it's interesting. You have, you know, a family involved, and the, how you've been successful, and like I do with all my execs, um, I always want to give them uh, the last word, so you have the last word. Um, I, I, I truly, th this is only like the third time I've been asked to do this and actually done it um, and, and I it, it kind of I told you it, it it doesn't give me anxiety but it uh, it's a little bit out of my uh, comfort zone sometimes mm -hmm. uh, depending on what the topics are uh, but I honestly really appreciate the opportunity to do this because it does um, uh, when, when you get the opportunity to talk about yourself or your company it, it really does uh, it grounds you mm -hmm. it really grounds you and and um, you know you can think about it all day but when you say it out loud it's totally different uh, so I, I I just appreciate the opportunity to do it to have the conversation well great podcast Steve I thank you so much for being on join us next week for another session of Connex. Mm -hmm.